Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Center with Victor Jackson. I want to thank each of you for joining in on this Matthew series. We've been going through the Word of God verse by verse, and I pray that it has been a blessing to you. I thank you for the feedback and the reviews, and uh, I just want you to know I appreciate every single one of you. Um, I'm excited to get in today's lesson. Start off the week right in Matthew chapter 7. Um, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 1 through 14. Uh, so let's get started on this. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me see this, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn it to attack you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And to those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. I want to take some time to talk about this because Matthew is presenting this incredible authority that Jesus is teaching with, where he says, I, I am not come to destroy the law, but, but I've come to fulfill it. And he is taking this first discourse of Jesus, Matthew 5 through 7. This is a long Sermon on the Mount. Um, and yes, Matthew is persuading the Jews that Jesus is the Christ and he's showing the superiority of Jesus, but Jesus is in this discourse, uh, speaking of the new kingdom principles and how profound these kingdom principles are and how 
this kingdom principles go down to motive, down to psyche, down to focusing on what's on the inside and the purity on the inside manifesting in pure actions externally. And what is amazing about this is we wrapped up chapter six last week and we're seeing that the kingdom is dealing with personal relationships. I know we live in a society in a day and age that do not treat people well or burn bridges um, with, with anyone and everyone. Um, I have a post that I put a few years back that says, listen, if your habit is to get angry and burn bridges with everyone, don't complain to God that you're lonely because any friendship takes endurance, trust, and forgiveness and perseverance in order for it to last. And so the kingdom is dealing with um, relationships and how our vertical relationship with Jesus Christ should affect all of our relationships and interactions with the world and with the brothers and sisters in the church today, that the kingdom should be displayed in how we treat one another. And so let's get to verse one. Judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. We talked a little bit about this uh, in the first few days of Matthew. That whatever judgment we give out, that's what we're going to get back. And what Jesus is emphasizing here is he, he's, he's, he's wanting to go for longevity of relationships, of connections. And he is highlighting things that put those things in jeopardy. And excessive judgment or excessive criticism, it can ruin relationships. And when someone is always focused on finding the weak point, that person won't have a lot of friends. Because anyone could find a weak point in somebody. Uh, but it takes courage to find something right with somebody. It takes a leader to focus on a solution instead of the problem. It takes a leader to do that. It takes a leader to focus on the solution rather than the problem. But someone that is excessively critical and excessively judgmental are difficult people to be around because the only way to be around these people consistently is to adopt some form of hypocrisy because you have to pretend like you have it all together in order to keep these people off of your case. Uh, those that are super judgmental all the time, they create hypocrites. Excessive judgment 
creates hypocrites. It creates a performance-based relationship that in order to be on this person's good side, in order to get them to not criticize you, you have to pretend that everything's okay when it's not okay. Hi, hi how are you doing? I, uh, uh, I'm blessed. Uh, uh, how you feeling? Oh, man, you know, oh, man, this is the best I've ever felt. You, you just went through a divorce. Your, your kid just confessed something to you that has rocked your world, but you can't be honest around a judgmental person. So this judgmental person creates an environment of perfectionism, which no one could reach, reach perfectionism. So everyone's wearing this mask, pretending like they're okay, and they're not. Those with excessive judgment, they create these environments that are that are damaging to a friendship, to a church, to an uh, to an area. When something, you ever had somebody where you clean the whole house and then and then they come they come to that house after you clean it. And they don't compliment you on the good job you did. The first thing they say is you missed the spot. Well, well, how are you going to consistently be in a good connection with this person if they're always finding the spots that you miss? Let us not be the people that are always looking for what's wrong, but let us be the people that are always looking for what's right. And that, my friend, takes intentionality. See, we in the kingdom, it's about building people up, not tearing them down. And most people that made a mistake know they made a mistake. And so if all you're doing is just pointing out the mistake, you're not helping build up that soul. Somewhere there has to be a solution and a building and a mending that picks that some that person up. That's the power of two. Two is better than one. And what did he say? Woe is to, to the one that is alone when he falls because he has no one to help him. You see, the second person that watches someone fall, they're not there to stand above the pit and criticize, but they are to extend the helping hand and pick that person up. That's the power of community. That's the power of a safe community. And so he says, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. You, you ever made a judgment on somebody and then you just gave them an invitation to make a judgment on you? You see, Jesus is speaking of kingdom relationships. He's speaking of a new, new world, a new aura, and he is trying to prevent people from destroying one another. And so he says, whatever judgment you make, it's going to come right back to you. You ever made a judgment on somebody or a criticism, which opened the door for them to criticize you? And so you say, hey, man, uh, I don't like I don't like your dress. And so she says back to you, well, I don't like your tie. I don't like your nose. I don't like your eyebrows. I don't like how you walk. I don't like where you live. I don't like your car. And you just open the floodgates. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I shouldn't have said nothing. Correct. Because when you come with a judgment or a criticism, you open the windows for them to pull it right back to you. And the question is, can you handle it? And the problem is you get defensive, don't you? 
And then you minimize your critique and say, well, I was just saying like the dress. I was just saying, I didn't know you would take it personal. I didn't know. Well, that's the whole thing. You don't know what people are holding on to. You don't know if her dad said that that she he doesn't like the dress before she left. You don't know. You don't know if kids made fun of her at school whenever whenever uh, she wore that dress. You don't know what has been building up into the psyche of people. But when you give criticism and judgment, you open the floodgates back into your own spirit. So you got to be careful about your criticisms because you're going to get it back. And so he says here that it's going to be measured back to you. And so he's saying you just have to have discernment with how you judge. It's not preaching a message against judgment. No, there's balance to that in the scripture. But he is giving a a foundation on how to judge properly. And he gets into that in verse three. He says, why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the beam that is in your own eye. Look, look at that. I want to read verse three again. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? And look what Jesus says in verse five, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now you have to catch this. This is a profound foundation on how to judge properly, to judge in a kingdom manner. What he says here is how do you see this speck of dust in your brother's eye, but you don't realize the the, the beam, the log that's in your own eye, Jesus is using hyperbole to, to bring about a point. He says, you're walking around with a log in your eye and you're leaning into your brother saying, oh my goodness, your eyes are dirty. <laughs> like dealing with their own... D- There are so so many people that are so attuned to others' weaknesses that they can't see the big weaknesses that they have. They can talk to you for hours about, about other people's problems and about other people's issues. But man, when you start bringing up that log in their eye, that's a, that's a two minute conversation. And then they never talk to you again. Rebuke a scorner and he will hate you, the scripture says. He says, he says, look what he says. You're being hypocritical because he says you have to first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. Look what Jesus is saying. What he's saying here is, is that when you see a speck of dust in your brother's eye, watch this but you don't deal with the log in your own eye, he said, you're not seeing clearly. Those that walk in excessive criticism, they're not seeing clearly because of their own undealt with issues. And there are people that have dreams to sing, but they don't have the courage to do it. I'm going to minister right now. 
There are people that have a dream of singing, singing, but they don't have the courage to take the step to do it. So anybody that does have the courage to take this step to sing, they are excessive critics of them. Why? Because of their own log in their own eye, because of their own undealt with issues and their own undealt with issues. They project on anybody else that's trying to do something that they would like to do. Oh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help somebody. I am going to help somebody. He says, and when you're walking with excessive criticism and excessive judgmentalism, you are not seeing clearly. Because if if you were seeing clearly, you wouldn't be so judgmental. Here's why. The foundation of judging properly is to look in the mirror. Self-examination will deliver you from excessive criticism. Self-examination will deliver you from excessive criticism. Someone needs to jot that down. Somebody needs to needs to uh, hide that, put that in your phone somewhere. Um, because that's that's critical because you have to look at your own life and with your own issues watch this and you have so much grace and mercy on yourself can you not extend that to someone else he, with you it's the lord's working on me the lord's working on me you know, God's thank for God's grace and mercy. Someone else makes a mistake. You're like, God, kill him. It's like, you're not, you're not getting it. You're not looking at your own situation. You got a whole log in your eye. And you're not seeing clearly. You can't see people for who they are if you have a log in your own eye. You have to do the work in the process of self-examination and allow God to remove what's in your own spirit, what's in your own heart. And once he gets that out, then you're able to look at others with a mercy and grace. And now I don't just see the speck in my brother's eye, but I see his heart. I see how he loves people. I see how he's been made in the image of God. So when I see that speck of dust in his eye, I consider the whole man and the good outweighs the bad. Everybody talks about wanting spiritual discernment and they every always talk about discerning something evil, but you have to understand that you can also discern good things. You can discern evil things and good things. You can deserve the, the, discern the evil in a person, and you can discern the good in a person. A person that won the Nobel Peace Prize, you can discern evil in them. And a person that is has murdered uh, 10 people, you can discern something good in them. Because all, all, of, all humans are made in the image of God. They have some attributes somewhere that can be in some likeness to God. And so that's, that's, that's important. One thing about me, one thing I've never done and never will do, I don't flatter people. 
If you receive a compliment from me or encouragement from me, I, I don't flatter. Flattery is something unfounded. I will never do that. I've never done that, never will. I don't like when people flatter people. But there's a, the difference between flattery and encouragement is that encouragement encourages something that is already there, something that has been evidenced. And you encourage something that is that is identifiable. Flattery is when there's no evidence, no foundation, no nothing, but you still speak this high thing over them, even though they have no evidence of that. That's flattery. Encouragement is identifying something good and, and speaking to build that up in somebody. Be an encourager, not a flatterer. flatterer. Be an encourager, not a flatterer. And so the, 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 the key to seeing clearly is walking in self-examination. You will treat people with more mercy and grace because of the mercy and grace that God has shown you. And you will walk with a caution and with a love if you consider the log that is in your own eye. And the truth of the matter is a speck of dust. Can you imagine seeing that speck of dust in your brother's eye? You know what? Criticism is birthed with closeness. It's when it's when you can only see a speck of dust in someone's eye if you are near them. And it's amazing that when you get closer to somebody, how how the weaknesses shine brighter. That from a distance, you don't see the weaknesses, but as you get closer, that's when you start seeing the specks. And you have to choose to focus on the whole individual and who they are instead of the speck. Because if you focus on the speck so much, you can destroy the relationship. But if you focus on the the whole person, the goods and the bads, then there could be a longevity in that relationship. It's like when you first you know, uh, met, met your wife or you first met your husband, you got on the phone when you first saw them said, Oh my word, this is the one I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is the one I'm telling she's beautiful. I'm telling you, he's handsome. I'm telling you. And like, they couldn't do any wrong. Y'all are talking on the phone for three hours. Y'all are talking on the phone for six hours. Y'all falling asleep on the phone at two o'clock in the morning. Y'all, I mean, y'all just talking about the crazy stuff. Y'all laughing for no reason. They can do no wrong until you say, I do. You say, I do. And that first meal that she cooks, all of a sudden, it's burnt. It don't taste like your mama's food. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my word, I... I literally thought she was perfect. But now the closer I am to her, I'm seeing some areas she can work on. And 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 you thought he was so well put together, his tie is so put together. I mean, he his suit, he knows how to dress. And then y'all say I do. And what happens? He leaves his jacket on the couch in the living room. He doesn't even put it in the closet. 
Oh, I'm talking to somebody on here. And now all of a sudden, you're like, man, he, you know, I thought he was perfect, but he's not that perfect. Y'all not going through any testing or any trials. No, you are discovering one another. And that's the point. Closeness breeds criticism. Closeness breeds the opportunity for criticism. But in order for the relationship to thrive, you have to work on yourself and allow God to work on you so you can be merciful and gracious in the areas of their life. And if you ever do approach it to to help them, it's going to be from a place of love and not from a place of critiquing. Because excessive criticism can lead into contention. And a contentious person can find a problem with anything. They can complain about anything. But the way to see clearly is to walk with a self-examination that you know that God is still working on you. So we should be gracious with others that God is working on. And if we ever need to make a judgment it's, it's after doing a whole bunch of self-examination, allowing God to remove the log out of our own eye, coming through that process, and then dealing with them in love. That is kingdom. And he's talking about sustaining relationships. No one wants to be around somebody that finds something wrong all the time. You, you just won the Nobel Peace Prize, and they say, hey, I didn't like your speech. Uh, you messed up a little bit. It's like, bro, like, bro, uh, uh, you know, you, you're at a successful moment. You don't, you don't need any negativity right now. And yes, that may be true that you, that you, that you uh, stumbled on the speech, but let's look at the overall big picture. You won a national award. This is what I'm trying to show you. Then he says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs as they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, this is another level of discernment. Uh, It's the discernment of being careful of what you're giving people, seeing if they can handle what you're giving. Not everybody can handle what you have or the word that you have. As Jesus even told his disciples, I have many things to share with you, but you cannot bear them now. So you have to have walk with a discernment that says there are things that I want to tell this individual, but they do not have the character or the maturity to be able to handle it. And they have a tendency to destroy people or use knowledge as a weapon of destruction. And so I can't give this person my pearls because they're going to turn on me and trample me underfoot and attack me. Not everybody could handle what you have. And so it's about walking with discernment. It's about what it's about walking with discernment and not just giving if if you're giving something holy to just everybody it ceases to be holy. You know? And um you know, it's it, this. This is about walking with discernment and intentionally intentional living. Ask and it shall be given you. Verse seven: Seeking ye shall find; knocking it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. So he's speaking about a boldness, 
Watch this. Of which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now he he's showing, he's he's requesting a boldness in asking and, and in seeking and in knocking. To, to let them know of the their father's nature that is that that his nature is goodness that that he's not there to 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 wish harm or to attack or to hurt or to harm and then he gives the comparison of that listen you evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children there are drug lords that kill that that have killed hundreds of people that make sure they take care of their wife and take care of their child. And, and these are evil people uh, that are harming others and that are that are that are that are uh, destroying people's lives and murders. Uh, but Jesus just speaks of all of humanity as as evil because we're born in sin, shape, and iniquity. If you know how to give good gifts, he said, How much more shall shall your father? Give good gifts, uh, your Father which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him. He's showing, he's revealing his tendency. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to seek. Don't be afraid to knock because it is his nature out of his goodness to give you something good. Like, don't be afraid to approach boldly in the kingdom. Don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid. And he says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would men that do to you, you should even do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Who, what, whatsoever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. He's saying here is, is that how we treat others and how we are in our relationships, we should treat others how we want to be treated. And he said, and this is the entire law and the prophets, which is love. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. There's one Lord and, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the law and the prophets. Treating people, this is about the kingdom and, and manifesting in our horizontal relationships with one another. This is the law and the prophets. A man that has friends will show himself friendly. That's what Proverbs says. A man that hath friends hath shown himself friendly. Someone that has a lot of friends is someone that's kind to people. Someone that has a lot of enemies many times is because it's someone that is that is very contentious with many people. That's not always the case, but a man that hath friends shows himself friendly. You have, if you want friends, start being kind. Start showing yourself friendly to people. Start serving without trying to get a reward. Stop, start <coughs> serving without, <coughs> without expecting something in return. Because, because. What we need to treat people how we want to be treated with the same respect, with the same love, with the same appreciation. And 
we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional with how we treat others. And whatever we want in our own lives, we should reflect. So we can't blame others for lack of this or lack of that if we are not physically exampling what we want out of the world. You want people to be more kind in the world? Be kind. You want people to be more loving in the world? Be loving. You want people to be more giving in the world? Be giving. You become the change that you're looking for. You say, oh, I wish people would do this. I wish people would do that. I wish people would do that. I wish people... Well, why don't you start doing it? And let the change begin there. Then he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. That's the first 13 and 14. Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that lead, leadeth to destruction, and many there will go in there it, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. What I want to focus on here is the concepts of of the concepts and the contrasts of the narrow way and 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 the narrow gate and and the broad the broad way the broad gate um what what Jesus is talking about here now and we're going to be wrapping this up in a moment what he's talking about here is that the broad way is not a way that's chosen i'm going to help someone here no, you don't choose the broad way you just go in and there's a difference See, the difference between the broad way and the narrow way is, see, the narrow way has to be chosen. And look what it says in verse 14. It has to be found. You don't find the broad way. You find the narrow way. You see, the broad way is just a natural disposition of man that tends towards the easy way. Oh my word, that, that, that you don't choose the path that leads to destruction. You, you kind of, uh, uh, if you live without direction, you're in the broad way. If you make no decisions with your life, you're in the broad way. You see what he's speaking of is intentional living. Intentional living. You have to find the narrow way. You have to find the discipline way. The narrow way is the discipline way. The broad way is, is, is something that, that is just you're, you're born, you're walking around, you're aimless. The broad way is the aimless way. 
The narrow way is those that are reflecting God's teachings and and living out his teachings and, and, and finding that way and walking in that way. That is the narrow gate. But those that are not choosing that way are naturally going in the other direction. But the issue is, is that is the narrow way, the path with God that leads to eternal life. And the way may be hard. Yes, I have to, I have to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him, but I'm going to receive something everlasting. I'm going to, I'm going to receive a crown in heaven. I'm going to, re, I'm going to receive an eternal reward. I'm going to walk on the streets of gold. I'm going to walk around the j- walls of Jasper and the pearly gates. I'm going to, I'm going to go on the narrow way, but it's because I chose it and it's because I found it. I found teachings that are in, in, in counterintuitive and countercultural uh, to the culture that I am around. I found teachings that are different than where the mob mentality is going. And no matter how many resist me on this path with Jesus, I have chosen the narrow way. It is the disciplined way. You see, the broad way, it's like a forest and you're just walking in the forest. That's the broad way. You see, a narrow way is a road in the forest that you decide to stay on and not get distracted by the beauty of the Broadway. Come on, somebody. Not get distracted off the path to go and chase after after something off the path. The narrow way is the discipline to take on the teachings and continue walking in the teachings, even though there are distractions all around you. The path to destruction is the path of distraction. And the path of the narrow way is the path of focus. You see, God is all about a disciplined focus. The scripture says it this way. It says it this way, that where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people cast off for strength. Where there is no vision, there is no discipline. And so the, the path of destruction is, is some it are, are people that did not make a choice to follow or find the narrow way, which is with eternal life, with Jesus and his teachings, and adopting that and living according to that, those on the path of destruction, it is the broad way where it is the easy way. It is the way that they're not even considering what's going on. They're just kind of going through the motions of life. They're just living life, getting married, having a job. They're not, have have no uh, thought or comprehension for heaven or for eternal life. It is a distracted life because it's a broad way. And 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 with with the broad way, you you just you just kind of you know you just kind of aimlessly walk there. And a perfect example of this is that is that no one has ever accidentally been humble. You ever had somebody apologize? Oh my goodness, I apologize for being so humble today. Uh, I didn't mean to say it like that. I know I came across too humble. Please forgive me. Uh, that was mighty humble of me, wasn't it? I, I I apologize. It was an accident. I did not mean to say that. 
You've never heard anybody be accidentally humble, but you have heard of people being accidentally prideful. Oh my goodness, I hope I didn't that didn't sound like I was bragging. Oh my goodness, I hope I hope that didn't come across like I was this or I was that. You see, you see, with the pride, it's always an accidental pride that comes forth. I'm going to talk to you right now, but with humility, it's never accidental. With humility, it's intentional. Oh my, you see, because intention, you have to be intentional about pulling humility out of heaven down into your flesh to stifle the cry of pride. Because if you are not intentionally living a humble life, then without even realizing it, you will drift into a prideful life. Without even choosing to be prideful, you just naturally drift there. And that, my friend, is the broad way. It is the way that leads to destruction. Pride goes before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. And we can naturally drift there when we're not pursuing the vision of the kingdom and reflecting God's God's teachings of the kingdom. Oh my goodness. I feel like I'm talking to somebody on here. I'm so passionate about this. I'm so passionate about this. It it is the discipline way. See, Jesus, I told you the difference between a multitude and a disciple is a multitude is a disorganized crowd and a disciple is reflects the teachings of their teacher, the disciplines of their teacher. Now, Jesus is preaching everywhere, all throughout Matthew, and the multitudes follow, but you have to hear this now. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands hear him, but only 120 show up in the upper room in Acts 2 to receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, everybody, because he commissioned, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 7, he commissioned 500. He was seen of above 500, and he commissioned them to go wait in the upper room to receive the promise of the Father in Acts 2. But listen, only 120 showed up. Well, why did 120 choose the narrow way? I'm going to help you. But but 380 said no. It's because they didn't say no. They didn't choose not to show up. They naturally drifted into not showing up because during the feast of Passover, there were a bunch of celebrations and parties going on and families would come out of town to come and dwell and party and have fun. It was a distracted time when the Holy Ghost fell. It was a distracted time when the Holy Spirit fell. It was a distracted time when these things happened. And so 380 naturally drifted into the distractions, into the parties, into the festivals, into into welcoming family. But there are 120 that were intentional about the narrow way and said, I am going to be a part of something that is going to change the world. And I am using the pool of eternity to keep me on the right path so I can be a part of something that is greater than myself. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you are on the narrow way, when you are on the narrow path, when you go through the narrow gate, it may be hard, but there's a reward at the end of this thing. It may be hard, but there is a reward. And I love what Jesus said later. Anybody that follows me, he said, I will reward you now. Anyone that has left houses and left relationships and left all this stuff for my namesake, he said, I will reward you now in this time and in the time to come. See, in the narrow way, there are some rewards on the narrow way, but the ultimate reward is is what the eternal reward. It is the way that leads unto life, and there's few that be that find it. I'm going after something greater than myself. I'm going after something higher than myself. I'm not living for the distractions of time. I'm not living to make money. I'm not living to be famous in the world. I'm not living to be welcomed or accepted by everybody, but there's something that's pulling me on this narrow path. There's there's life. There's there's life that is pulling me and say, walk a little closer. Pick up your Bible and read again. Go ahead, walk a little closer. Go ahead and get into the prayer closet again. Go ahead and walk a little closer. I feel the Holy Ghost while I'm talking. Uh, go ahead and walk a little closer, and 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 you 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 and and you are going to reap a reward of eternal life. You get to know Him. You get the opportunity to know Him. You get the opportunity to discover Him. And it's something about the pool of eternity that directs you in crisis. And this is what Matthew is speaking of: living to the beat of another world, that I'm not trying to be persuaded or distracted by the things around me. It's the Broadway. It's something trying to pull me off the path, but, but, but I am focused on a heavenly realm. I, I am focused on something that is greater than myself. I am focused on something that is more magnificent than anything that I can imagine. And, 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 it, and it affects how I treat people because I'm taking the log out of my eye. And, and it affects how I talk to God because I, I see that God is wanting to pull out of his goodness to help me and to strengthen me. He's not trying to harm me. I, 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 it affects how, how I handle his word, how I handle the sacredness of the teachings that he gives me. I don't just give it to everybody. I got to watch and see how they handle it because they can deliver me up to the governor, deliver me up to the synagogue. They can use what I say against me in this time. I've got to walk with a discernment on this narrow path, but I'm so thankful that there's life that's going to be beyond this path, but I'm living my life intentionally in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of intention that everything I do with how I treat people, I am striving to walk in alignment with the eternal life that is beckoning me. Oh my word. Oh my word. See, see, you don't find the Broadway. You just go in, but you have to find the narrow way. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just go in with the crowd and with the mob. And I, I, I don't want to just be mad at everybody and just, just, just go where, where ebb and flow, where all the culture's going, ebb and flow, uh, and just trying to hurt one another, trying to destroy one another, and back and forth and back and forth, back and forth, uh, outraged on the right, outraged on the left, outraged in the middle outraged in every front. I, I don't want to live my life outraged. I just want to stay on this narrow path. 
I just want to stay on this narrow path that just loves everybody. I want to stay on this narrow path that walks in self-examination. God, search Victor Jackson's heart. God, I want to live right. I, I Search my mind. I want to treat my brothers and sisters right. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good person. I want to be a good son. I want to be a good leader. And I could only do that if I'm walking on the narrow path. And I'm not concerned with the distractions and what's happening with everybody else's world. I'm not trying to take out the specks of dust into everybody I encounter. No, I'm trying to chop down this log in my life. I'm trying to chop down this log that God has identified in my life because I want to be closer to him. Is that anybody's desire that's listening? On this Monday morning, while wherever you are, I want you to accept that challenge and live intentional today. Be intentional with how you treat your boss and your coworkers. Be intentional on how you're going about the things of God. Be intentional and be intentional, but make up your mind to that. I'm going to walk the narrow way. It may not be popular, but I'm going to walk the narrow way because I found it. And few there be that find it. And 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 if I if I don't walk on this way and don't if I don't walk in this gate, then I naturally start drifting to the Broadway because it's my flesh that causes me to drift. And I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to live a distracted life. I'm going to live a focused life. I have a mission. You have a mission. Let's go after it today. This is your Monday. Go after it. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, For more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.